Loving what he's doing at 40. Uh, just wishes he knew earlier that it would always be fun. He's having a blast. Company's growing fast, over 400 customers, uh, over 14 million in ARR. Again, helping folks with their mobile or obviously started desktop and online onboarding, but now obviously mobile with the acquisition back in August. That Israeli integration and that muscle of mobile is now really built in, uh, you know, and they're seeing great uptake from their uh, historical customer base using the new products. Hoping to drive uh, additional growth, uh, obviously, this year. This is the Top Entrepreneurs Podcast, where founders share how they started their companies and got filthy rich or crash and burn. Each episode features revenue numbers, customer counts, and other insider information that creates business news headlines. We went from a couple hundred thousand dollars to 2.7 million. I had no money when I started the company. It was $160 million, which is the size of many IPOs. We're bootstrapped. We have like 22,000 customers. With over 5 million downloads in a very short amount of time, major outlets like Inc. are calling us the fastest growing business show on iTunes. I'm your host, Nathan Latka, and here's today's episode. Hello, everyone. My guest today is Todd Olson. He is the CEO and co-founder of a company called Pendo, a product experience platform that helps product managers deliver successful products. Before Pendo, Todd served as VP of products at Rally Software Development, which he led through its public offering. Todd joined Rally via its acquisition of Sixth Sense, a company he founded and served as president and CTO. Todd, are you ready to take us to the top? I am. Thank um, you, Nathan. All right. So Pendo is on a tear. We had you on recently. And um, so we won't focus a bunch on kind of your launch or your growth story, but rather kind of where you see this onboarding and onboarding management space kind of going. So start off with a quick overview of what Pendo does, and then let's kind of dive into strategically where you see the space going. Yeah, Pendo is what we call a product experience platform. And, and what that encompasses is giving teams building software applications rich insights into how their customers are engaging their platform, and then also complementing that with the ability to increase engagement through education, onboarding, and new feature announcements. Mm-hmm. And and just to be clear, Todd, I want people to give you give you and your team credit for what you've built, right? So you came on the last time, it was, I believe it was December 18th when you came on last. Uh, you'd passed 400 customers at that point. You were doing about 1.2 million bucks in MRR, had raised about 56 million bucks. You got churn below 1% monthly. And I think that was logo churn, which in my opinion is really impressive for this kind of product because getting someone to actually install like onboarding, you know, like their onboarding flow using you, I imagine is a difficult thing. So let's start there. How, when someone signs up, what are you doing in the first two days to make sure those folks become sticky? Yeah. So you're right. The key is actually getting the product installed and it's actually just a really quick JavaScript snippet. You cut and paste it into your application and, and really that's it. Now, um, for you know larger customers, you know, bigger enterprises, now we do things like making sure we get tied into their Salesforce instance and things like that because we find we integrate into other third-party products that we're, we are much stickier long-term. Yeah, but Todd, I'm going to dive deeper there I don't, because uh, you're, I think you're maybe taking for granted how low your churn is. For example, Hotjar, David, same kind of install process. It's a quick JavaScript snippet. He's tested his onboarding so many times. He's still at around 4% monthly churn in terms of logos. So like you're doing something unique that is or more of your folks are installing that JavaScript code and seeing value quicker than, than you know what Hotjar is doing. You can't. Can you point to anything to credit why, why you're doing that? 
Well, I mean, I think there's also different markets. You know, I think our, you know, we, we've been pretty focused on B2B companies and they're uh, a little broader into websites and B2C. So that, you know, I, I think, you know, as we move more and more up market to large and larger ACVs, we're just going to naturally see a lot less churn because, you know, it, it's typically what happens when you move up market. You know, the, the larger the deal size, typically you see lower churn. But, um, yeah, I mean, I, we invest a lot in our customer success team. We we have um, a, a pretty reasonable ratio of customer success to sales. So we take customer success. It's part of our core values. And, um, you know, we, we measure CSAT, NPS. What's CSAT, um, Weekly. Customer satisfaction rating of interactions with support. So we carry a 98, 99% CSAT. We, we, you know, we've gone... In the last seven days, we haven't had a single negative response. So, um, and on multiple seven-day periods, we average that. So across weeks, I mean, not a single negative interaction with our support across team. what like sample size? Like how many tickets is that? Uh, we average about a you know just less than two hundred tickets a week. Wow. Okay. And your team last time we came on, you said it was one hundred sixty-six. Is it still about the same size? And how many of those folks are support? Yeah. One hundred sixty-eight. We have about five in support. Okay. Got it. And five in sales. And what's your ratio to sales? Well. Support and success are part of the broader customer success organization. So that, that organization is probably two dozen people. And, you know, it's um, sales is about double that. Mm-hmm. Interesting. So a uh, qu- question for you. You you obviously were with Rally via Sixth Sense and, and kind of helped it go public. I want to make sure I don't misunderstand your role in helping that company go public. What was your role after the acquisition? I was the VP of product. Okay, so fairly significant role then, right? I mean, were you in kind of the executive meetings around, again, what's happening with product, what's the roadmap look like, all that? Yeah, absolutely. For a good portion of my time there, I owned the roadmap. Okay, so what are you, you've already, I mean, when you think of Pendo, what do you want to do? I mean, I would usually say is the goal to IPO and a lot of CEOs are competitive and that's like a, it's an ego thing. It's a checkbox. I can't ask you that because you've done it. So like, what are you most excited about in terms of Pendo and in terms of what you're building over the next five to 10 years? Well, that wasn't a company that I founded. So, I mean, we did get acquired in. So, I mean, there, there is, um, I wouldn't, I wouldn't give myself full credit for that checkbox, you know, personally. So, I mean, I was part of an amazing team there and I I had my, played my role. Um, yeah, I mean, look, we, we, you know, there's a lot of interesting milestones. I mean, a lot of the way I look at it, you know, IPO or not IPO, I think the, the, the goal is to can you put yourself in a position to continue building a bigger and bigger business, right? So, I mean, I I think loosely speaking, we talk about category leadership as the ultimate goal. I mean, you want to, own your category. And what we see in markets is that the category leader gets the bulk of the revenue in that category. And we still, we still quite aren't there yet. I mean, we still have competition. Um, it's still pretty aggressive out there. So, I mean, ultimately we want to build a category leader and can you, that's the way I think about it. Can you define the category you see yourself in? Yeah, I think loosely, you know, we're calling it product experience. We, We think it's kind of this crossover between a mixture of analytics and uh, in-app engagement. So that's kind of, you know, when I started the company, we saw these two spaces out there and we said, you know, I think the ultimate winner is going to have the union of those those two. And that's been our thesis since day one. Um, that's driven our roadmap. It's driven our strategy. And I think you're starting to see more signs that, that that's the way the market's moving. So Todd, when do you take on Intercom directly? I think Intercom's got a very different focus. I think they're trying to revolutionize customer communications, next generation CRM. I see them trying to disrupt the support tools like Zendesk and Freshdesk more so than attacking Pendo. Um, so 
I think there's plenty of room in the market for Intercom and Pendo to coexist. So I, I don't actually see them as competitive at Who all. Who do you see as most directly competitive with you right now? Yeah, I think the company we see most frequently in deals is a company called WalkMe. Um, they started traditionally in the training space or the in-app messaging space. You know, they're, they're not really known for analytics at all. So, they're, you know, in many ways, just half of our product competes against them. But but they are the company we see most frequently in deals. And when you think about how do you make sure you win deals over them or how do you how do you go after and try and find the distribution channels they're using effectively and try and attack those same channels? I mean, there's a lot of ways to go do that. I mean, I, I think one of the fun things is, you know, when you start getting to enterprise buyers, any enterprise buyer is going to want to bake you off against one or two vendors. So um, we're actually getting brought into deals where an enterprise buyer um, is maybe looking at WalkMe and, and saying, look, who is your you know best alternative? So that brings Pendo into the fray very, very often. Are so your margins better? Can you afford to undercut? Yeah. <laughs> um, uh, you know, I can't speak to our margins. I, I, I think we do have different go-to-markets, and, and um, we traditionally, as a company, have um, uh, been lower in terms of services and implementation. You know, I think our product—we've always strived to be easy to use, easy to implement. We try to empower our users to use our product rather than do a lot for us. So it is a slightly different go-to-market, um, but our prices are typically higher. So we typically are the premium product in our space, and it's because we actually have a broader platform. We're actually customers are getting more and they can usually replace two or three solutions. I mean, another example is we have net promoter score capabilities in our product and none of the other vendors really do. And so there, there is a whole category of products that just do MPS surveys. Now they're typically a couple hundred bucks a month, but what's, you know, what's neat is that customers that adopt our MPS solution can then contextualize it, looking at other usage analytics, they can create campaigns based on it. So, you know, we've always treated having a broad platform as a way to better solve customer problems. Many of you use email marketing to grow and build your businesses, but I've got a big question for you. Are you connecting your email marketing with other services and tools that you use to build your business like Salesforce and Google Analytics? If not, you've got to check out Emma. You'll have everything you need to connect your data, build your audience, and do your most successful email marketing campaign ever. Lots of folks are using Emma because their easy-to-use platform makes advanced functionality accessible to everyone on your team, from your intern to your CEO. No technical skills are required to send these campaigns. Most importantly, I know we all hit snags along the road when we use new tools. They've got an award-winning support team. The support team helps with your strategy, design, list migration, which is important if you're moving from somebody else, and much more. So put the power of email experts behind your marketing. Request a customized demo of Emma's email marketing platform today at myemma.com. Again, that's myemma.com. Are you still out about the $3,000 monthly ARPU? That's kind of your average deal size? Yeah, around there, yeah. Yeah, okay, yeah. I mean, so fa- again, fairly mature. Y- you have now a war chest. When was the last raise? It was just a couple months ago, right? No, July in 2017. And what was it? It was 30? 25. 25. Uh, that capital, I mean, do you, ever th- do you ever look at where you're currently spending money to acquire customers and go, you know what? It might be cheaper to go acquire some of these point solutions like an MPS score solution, onboard them, and upsell that base into our other product lines. In other words, how do you think about growing via acquisitions versus just growing you know, with paid, other paid channels? Well, we made our first acquisition last uh, last August for mobile, and that was very strategic for uh, numerous reasons. One, we wanted mobile, and you know, many many companies obviously um, have both mobile and web based products. We wanted to make sure that we could provide a complete solution across both. Um, 
But we also wanted to flex that muscle and build skills around it. So part of doing an acquisition isn't just the acquisition itself, but um, understanding how as a business we can do that. So um, it's gone very well from an integration perspective. We're pleased with the results. I mean, what does that mean? Todd, can you paint a better, like a different picture there? When you say it's going well, I mean, you look at the performer you put together in the acquisition, and you say, oh, you know what? It's actually panned out about 80%. You usually only get 20%. <laughs> Um, you look at it from a number of different factors. One, are, uh, are customers adopting a joint solution? The answer is yes. You know, um, uh, so we actually have seen good customer uptake of our of our solution uh, post acquisition. We're looking at at the culture in the office. The cultures align, and the answer is yes. We actually just flew the entire Israel team to Raleigh last week for our annual kickoff event, and people. Are you um, in Raleigh? I'm in Raleigh. As headquarters is in Raleigh. Um, the team is in Israel. So we flew the entire Israeli office here as a way to, to help build the culture. And it was a, a great success from the feedback that I've seen. Um, so culture is a big aspect. Products. I mean, the products are coming together. You know, I think we're starting to unify the architectures and um, starting to think about the world, not in terms of mobile or web. What's a combined solution look like? And I think that's really, really powerful. So, so yeah, no, I think it's been very successful. And I've been, I've been you know, fortunate in my career to be part of many acquisitions, and um, this is probably one of the most successful I've seen personally in, in my career. Um, so, so yeah, when I look at the market, it, you know, we we will absolutely grow more through acquisition. And we look at, you know, I, mean, I wouldn't say quite every week I look at a different company, but as things come inbound, I mean, we are very aggressive. We'll get on the phone with pretty much anyone um, that, that's interested because I think I think one it's it's, it's good discipline. Uh, I, I think it's good discipline for myself and my business development team to be looking at deals regularly to see what's out there and understand um, uh, what, what our opportunities are. But um, we also do some proactive. If there's companies I like, we, we are very proactive. You know, I'll, I'll call the founder. I'll sit down with them. I mean, uh, a lot of these things, there's a courtship. You know, I mean, you got to, of course, you know, date before you get married, right? So spending time with each other. Well, that's, how you're sure sp- Tom, that's how you're supposed to do it, right? Not everyone does it, but that's how you're supposed to do it. <laughs> that is how you're supposed to do it. You're right. <laughs> um, so we don't know, obviously, what the acquisition price is. And maybe I'm, I'm going to hope that maybe since you haven't revealed that I can learn something else from you. I mean, can you share what multiple did you pay on that? Was it like a oh, grass? I can't share any. I mean, look, it, it was... I think all parties involved were, were happy. And, and I think we've put in a, a good part of the proceeds was for the employees themselves to make sure we had really high retention. And the reality at the end of the day, you know, when you're acquiring companies or certainly at that scale, like, you know, 20, 30 people. That, that Is that what people, they were? 20, 30? Yeah. 30 okay. people is what we acquired. So, um, and when you say, Todd, sorry, I don't mean to keep putting you off, but when you said retain customer or retain employees, I mean, typically what that means is there's some form of earn out over X amount of years. So you can make sure you build that mobile muscle into Pendo and not just lose them all. Correct. Correct. So yeah, a, a big part of it was making sure that they're heavily, you know, they're, they're compensated to stay. And, um, so yeah, it's all built into the deal and, um, you know, the other big aspect to it, not just from a, from a, um, a, you know, compensation and cash component or even stock component. It's just making sure you give them interesting work. So it's, I mean, we actually have already started cross-training people on our core products. So we have core engineers now in Israel and that's a key way to just keep people engaged. So. Yep. Last question here before we wrap up. Um, people might not understand what you mean when you say mobile capabilities for something like Pendo. Can you give us a use case, a customer paying you and they're using the mobile solution as well? Yeah, I got to think about which one they have approval for, for logos, but, um, oh, yeah. <laughs> uh, 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 
So I can't think of one this second, but well, I, let's, I let's I could, do an example of one. That, I mean, let me make one up. So who knows if they're your customer or not, but let's say a company like DocuSign, right? They're, they're having troubles when someone downloads the app from the app store on the mobile device, getting people to sign their first document. How does your yeah. tech play into that? Yeah. So it's, it's actually really, really interesting. So before Penda was only looking at your web-based assets. So when I get a DocuSign via my email and I'm at my desk and I click it and I go through the web interface, maybe I get confused or maybe I use certain aspects of it. But and now I tend to DocuSign a lot via mobile. So by having coverage on mobile and web, DocuSign could look and see where do most of my people engaged? When do they, what do they use mobile for that they don't use web for? What do they use web for that they don't use mobile for? So you can actually optimize the experience across both. Maybe there's some more advanced capabilities that are only in the web-based interface that I didn't know that. And they mean they want to message me in their mobile. When I come into mobile and go to and click the buttons, I mean, I want to say, hey, we notice you typically use this. Try this on our web-based interface when you get down to your desk. So it's this ability to look across the entire customer journey within your products and better optimize the experience. Because what we're seeing is people now consume software with more than two devices. You know, you're with your mobile phone, they're on your desk, maybe it's your iPad. So making sure they know who uses what, when, mm-hmm. and then can get you uh, using the you know which interface for for the right uh, right use case is really what, how we see our vision, and we, we think it's really really exciting. Do you break thirty million in ARR this year by the end of this year? <laughs> That puts you. We'll that that puts you. I mean, it's aggressive, but I mean, that would put you doubling from your fourteen today. I, I uh, no comment is the, the official answer, but uh, we'll see how it goes. We're we're actually very <laughs> bullish on this year. We have a lot of good things, and and uh, we we couldn't be more excited. Guys, there you have it from Todd. Todd, let's wrap up here with the famous five. Uh, number one, what's the last book you read? I'm reading "Turn the Ship Around." It's by a Navy submarine commander it's awesome number two is what is who is your favorite big thinker in raleigh to get dinner lunch or coffee with oh in raleigh uh uh you know i'll go with jess lipsom he's a former ceo of sharefile sharefile uh, citrix yeah yep number three uh what is your besides your own what's your favorite online tool for building the business slack number four how many hours of sleep are you getting every night uh, six, six. Okay. And situation married, single, you have kids married with kids. Okay. And uh, how old are you, Todd? I am 42 years old. All right. Last question. What do you wish your 20 year old self knew? Uh, how much fun I'd be having at 40 doing the same thing. So I love what I do. <laughs> there you go. from Todd. Loving what he's doing at 40. Uh, just wishes he knew earlier that it would always be fun. He's having a blast. Company's growing fast. Over 400 customers, uh, over 14 million in ARR. Again, helping folks with their mobile or obviously started desktop and online onboarding, but now obviously mobile with the acquisition back in August. That Israeli integration and that muscle of mobile is now really built in, uh, you know, and they're seeing great uptake from their uh, historical customer base using the new products. Hoping to drive uh, additional growth uh, obviously this year uh, on a good track right now Todd thank you for taking us to the top thanks Nathan appreciate it